from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, June 24th, 2016, and it's a relevant podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Fracture. I'm so glad they're back. Fracture is a photo decor company, if you had to be proper, uh, that's out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They print your photos directly onto glass and add a laser-cut rigid backing, so they're ready to display right out of the box. They even include the wall anchor. You just upload your digital photo and pick your size, and it's that simple. It shows up in the mail. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is beautiful. It has this, I mean, I, I can't describe, it's like richer. Yeah, well, because uh, it, it kind of lets the light of the room in, sort of, and it's like, uh, I don't know, it like matches the wall perfectly, but it's not like you can see through it. I think I'm doing a poor job at this, but I really like their <laughs> stuff. I like them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. The point is that it's great. We, we really enjoy Fracture. Uh, Fractures come with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're sure to love your order, and each Fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida. Go wow. Gators. Uh, from <laughs> U.S. source materials and their carbon-neutral factory. Right down the street. Wow. Look at all that. For more information and to get 10% off your first order, visit FractureMe.com slash podcast. Don't forget that you support the show when mentioning Relevant in their one-question survey at FractureMe.com slash podcast. At some point, and we can just table this for later, could we talk about how I don't really understand what carbon neutral means? <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios, he's back. Big cat, Eddie Koffeltz. <laughs> nice to see you. I'm still thinking about carbon neutral. <laughs> Over there. Yeah, I'll explain it to you later. I'm from Portland. I can. Yeah. Over there on yeah. the ones and twos, our producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Portland, Oregon, Joy Egrich Reed. Present. Hey, Eddie, real quick, for FractureMe.com purposes, I think it means that they are environmentally friendly, and any uh, uh, carbon that they happen to uh, you know, put out into the environment during the, the production process, that they offset right. with, with different means. So all that to say is they're a great company to support. C- certain people, like uh, let's say I'm green and I want to be carbon neutral, and I have to fly across the country. Well, I am now putting carbon emissions into the air, mm-hmm. so I may offset that by buying carbon credits or planting trees or something like that okay. of equal impact. Uh, what about yeah. this show? Would you say it's carbon neutral, this show? I would think that uh, bits of data, ones and zeros, coming through <laughs> satellite beams. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Cameron yeah. actually plants a tree after every episode. We <laughs> do. It's actually, there's almost an, uh, 500 bottle brush trees out in the parking lot. It's super weird. I, I will say this, though. The, the, compared to the amount that we're polluting people's minds, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, it's not even measurable. Yeah, so the ethi- I wouldn't worry about that. The ethical offset cannot possibly be, <laughs> yeah. cannot possibly be retracted. You basically need to become a monk. And, yeah, uh, people listen to this show and then they go read their Bible for three hours 
to neutralize it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is what we do. Well, uh, <laughs> we have a great show in store today. Uh, coming up later, we talk with hip hop artist Social Club Misfits about their new album called The Misfit Generation. It's an EP that just came out. It's great. And cool. uh, also joining us, Dr. Russell Moore is on the show oh. uh, to talk about how Christians should view politics with the current political climate. Uh, Dr. Russell Moore uh, famously being called out by one of the pre- presidential candidates. He is everything that's wrong with evangelicals is uh, what the claim by the candidate was. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. A little bit. That's how you know you've arrived as any sort of political commentator. When one of the candidates singles you out as everything that's wrong with a major voting demographic. Like, you got to be saying something provocative, agree or disagree. He's someone that's inserted himself into the political dialogue. It's basically my goal for that to happen at a basketball game. You know, like, <laughs> this this guy right here is what's wrong with Orlando fans. Right. The opposing team, hopefully, saying that, not our team. Didn't it, yeah. fe- didn't it feel nice, though, when Game 7 was over, knowing... Orlando's back uh, in the hunt. Yep. yep. That's it. We're, yeah. we, uh, there's 29 disappointed teams, or 31 disappointed teams, right. and we're just one of them. LeBron and, will and probably go to the Lakers. Level playing field. You think you will? <laughs> Level playing field. You yeah. think so? I mean, it seems to be... I wouldn't know. I'm the worst at knowing no, basketball. I, 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 well, th- we, we can do sports. The only thing, <laughs> the awkward thing about talking about NBA, anything NBA-related right now is that the draft does it, is happening you know, yeah. between when we're recording and when this is released. Yeah. So it's hard to project things. But I will say, do you know what you know what that person would say to Cameron at the game? What? He would say, this guy's a huge problem. He's a huge <laughs> problem. Get him out of here. Um, you know what? Make Lando great again. This, this guy out. It's really good, Justin. Getting, uh, <laughs> I've been working on it. It's shocking. Speaking of game seven, Speaking of Game 7, uh, I had some friends over on Sunday night to watch that game. It's a phenomenal game. Yeah. Um, And uh, one of my friends who came over happens to be a designer at Under Armour. I didn't know your mom was a designer. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh that was good. And, and, and all you know, and of course, it was a big week in the Under Armour sports apparel big week industry. Big week as if people who listened to the show last week, you know, heard that some shoes came out mm-hmm. that uh kind of caught the internet by storm. I love them. And so I said to him, I, I, I he's guys listen to the show, you know, over the years and I said, "Hey, by the way, just I, don't listen to this week's show if you haven't yet, yeah. because Jesse goes in and goes in deep on, yeah, on the look, shoes. Look, I put him on blast. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> Let's in on and uh, he's like, yeah, I haven't heard it yet, but he's like, man, I mean, it's coming from everywhere. And it's like he said, like internally at Under Armour, man, like he's getting texted by all his friends that work at Nike. They're like gloating over all this. Yeah, yeah. Because Under Armour's been crushing yeah. Nike. And so like Nike finally has this one thing, like right. the uh, the embarrassment of this shoe release, the Steph Curry 2s, the chefs, the Chef Currys. Well, yeah. well along those lines, we had a separate meeting this morning. Yes. Uh, uh, we and, and we talked about our upcoming huge event, which I, 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 at some point we can get into more detail. No, th- that's, this is the transition. This is the, this is it. So in a couple weeks, literally two weeks from today, we will be recording our 500th episode of this podcast. And, um, to do that, if you've listened to the show, we've been kind of vague with the specifics, but, uh, uh, the the site is launching today with more information about how you can uh, participate, whether you can come. It's going to be a very small event uh, here in our mm-hmm, studio, mm-hmm. or if you can participate, uh, uh, you know, via the internet. But to celebrate our 500th episode, uh, Jesse is doing another uh, psychological endurance challenge to raise money for Charity Water. And last year, he did the Nickelback Challenge. This year, he's going trapped in the cage. And trapped in the cage, he's spending 24 hours watching nothing but Nicolas Cage movies uh, connected to our 500th episode. 
trapped in the cage. And so this week, I mean, today we had a big meeting about Solid. it. Uh, we had a big meeting to flesh out the specifics and stuff, which are all at trappedinthecage.com. You guys can go check it out. But the, you went, went for the dot .com, huh? Yeah, I did. I, I actually went for the dot .biz, <laughs> and then it said, you know, dot .com's available. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> it obviously, it was a good investment. And, you know, we want people to be... Yeah, I want people to be really excited about this, obviously. So, so what, you know, we were ta- talking about ways to, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't see how much more hyped people could get um, than, you know, knowing that someone is subjecting themselves to something that's going to push. Not just the- knowing, people can watch you watching. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's going to be a 24-hour stream, Shia LaBeouf-esque. <laughs> of 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 you watching Nicolas Cage movies. And what I'm assuming is what I'm assuming is people are going to watch it for the same reason most people watch a NASCAR race. Right. <laughs> you know you know that a lot of it's just going to be cars driving around of course. And you know, if I tune in now and I tune in an hour from now, I'm going to see basically the same thing. In the NASCAR analogy, <laughs> it's cars driving around. In my analogy, it's me staring at a Nicolas Cage movie, though I will be doing things to liven it up through the night. Yeah, throughout the night. He's got some plans. Yeah, I do have some plans. But what I'm saying is I think what people are really going to be looking for beyond the fun stuff I have planned is to see if I crash psychologically, emotionally, and physically. (laughs) Yeah. This is a car wreck on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Cameron, you and I went to ORU, or Roberts University, and they had this the whole man philosophy there where they educate and build up the whole man. Mind, body, and spirit. I'm putting everything Every one of those on the line this time. <laughs> okay? Like, this isn't just, my, like, mental fragility, okay? Yeah. This is, this is going to do harmful things to my spirit, uh, you know, subjecting myself to, to cage like this. And also, physically, I'm going to be sitting there for 24 hours, you know? Anything yeah. could happen. Yeah. So, just so you know, every 30 minutes, you should shift. Otherwise, you could get bed sores. Really good oh, point. That's, uh, yeah. Joy could get bed and sores. standing. He's <laughs> no, gonna, it's common medical practice. They say every yeah, 30 minutes, every, shift. Mm-hmm, everybody who sits for 30 minutes gets a bed sore. <laughs> <laughs> that is medicine. Um, I, I, I will say this. I'm so afraid of bed sores. I set my alarm for 29 minutes every night. <laughs> I have a question when it comes to food, food coming in, uh, potty breaks. Is all yeah. of that going to be figured out? Yeah. yeah. We're establishing some some basic rules because here's the thing. Sort I, of NASA I, flight not, suit? Well, we, well, I'm not going to wear a catheter. We're going to have a concession stand oh, like, and, um, and we're going to have pizza brought in. Oh, like air airheads and stuff? Yeah. Like the old school. Yeah. And uh, we're, gonna, we're renting a movie popcorn machine and, you know, like hmm. we're going to have provisions yeah. provided. Uh, for the people who are here, because uh, because people can go to trappedinthecage.com and they can uh, see the schedule of all oh. the movies that he's gonna be watching, and they can come and join Jesse. Okay, uh, yeah. for for chunks of it, I'll be here the whole time with him. But he's we're gonna let him have a two minute bathroom break in between each movie, yeah. and that's it. He has you to be, queue up the next are you movie. Have, yeah, that's why. Are you gonna have uh, Nicholas Cage films playing in the bathroom? Because I feel like that would be pretty. Oh. Um, you know, if we want to be true to this psychological I like exposure, it. or like yeah. interviews with Nick Cage. Just yeah, yeah, never yeah, yeah. Get that's it. Yeah. We'll do red carpet stuff in yeah. the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Never there, get away from his voice. Nicholas Cage loop in the bathroom. So he's and he's, and probably in the hallway on the way to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What so you psychologically, there's no excuse. Yeah, because if we're gonna see him break, which I assume is why we're paying this. Yeah. Like yeah. We, I think I predict around 1 a.m. I think he's gonna push it, and I think at four things are gonna get super weird. Like he's gonna be 
laughing when there's nobody else laughing. <laughs> like other, but I'll be not laughing like Nicolas Cage laughs. Yeah, <laughs> like that <Right>? maniacal. <laughs> he's probably psychotic laugh. The I want to. I'm creating a contest, and I don't know how we're going to be choosing the winner yet. If it's going to be through a donation or someone who comes, but I'm just it's a little in, a bit of intrigue right now. Oh, maybe the person who gives the biggest donation to Charity Water will yes. win this. Yeah, we'll do different prize like drawings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I got something. If they give ten thousand dollars, I'll block them on Twitter. Oh, That's I like what that. I'd like to give. I like That's that. how I'd like to donate my time. <laughs> I'll block you immediately. <laughs> Is there any other way that someone can get uh, blocked nope. by you from Twitter? Because I feel like it's a hard thing to achieve. Uh, yeah. Almost yeah. any sort of communication. <laughs> I think you're a pretty free blocker. Half, half of my Twitter feed is some comment about the show. Funny and of, then, oh, and can you ask Eddie to yeah, unblock me? I blocked like, maybe seriously. five people my whole life. It's uh, really great. It's those five. It was the right five. <laughs> um, back to Jesse. What is the thing that you're kind of throwing into the pot for the person that gets the most? And, and this was the segue back to the, the chef curry. Yeah, it's so. a secret or no? Well, no, this no, is, no. I want to sweeten the deal uh, because, because I feel like right now the chef curries are hot. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone <laughs> on the internet is, 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 you know, making a joke out of it. But I don't think it's a joke. I think a lot of people, it's not just people who are wearing the Norcore ironic. A lot of people find them comfortable. A lot of people I'm sure they're have wonderful a disease like diabetes a lot of the elderly community a lot of people yeah. want these shoes right the orthotic wearing community i yeah. understand it. mall walkers people in rehab yeah yeah parents. yeah people people who want a slight upgrade from uh their grass cutting new balances yeah did you know that nine out of every ten of those chef curries is sold in florida actually <laughs> pretty uh, pretty big market here for the chef curries <laughs> I bet I bet if we told him that we were giving away a pair of shoes for this uh, charity thing, uh, he would sign them. Well, well, here's the thing. We're not, I'm not even, we're not giving away a pair of shoes. I'm not I buying like, those. I don't you know, want that on my, my finishline.com history. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do, because, and here's the thing, Joy, like, it, it, you know, people can buy those shoes anywhere. What they can't buy is a curated accessory pack. Right. <laughs> okay. So if you if you buy the Curry 2s, you, you, you're only making partially the statement you need to make. You're making a big part of it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. If you're walking around in those things. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you accessorize if you buy the shoes. Okay? I feel like I have an instant visual of what this accessory pack is. <laughs> so uh, I'm including, and again, this is on my to-do list. Uh, today I'm going to send some Amazon links to the team to, to acquire some accessories. A Bluetooth earpiece, working or non-working, is for fashion reasons only. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Ideally, the little blue dot still works. Yeah, ideally yeah. the light works, but but that's not a deal breaker here. <laughs> the other, the, the other, then these are just some of the accessories. I haven't, I haven't got them all yet, you know, locked in uh a, a cell phone belt clip <laughs> so, so you can clip it right on the side and holster style yeah holster style belt uh, cell phone belt clip yep uh, extra long braided belt obviously extra, extra long braided belt yep uh, a double xl big dog shirt <laughs> a, a double. and it's and it's not double xl because i feel like the person you know that's their normal size though it may be i don't you know that's not why i chose it i'm choosing it because it <laughs> needs to be long enough to be tucked into a pair of cargo shorts <laughs> that's yeah, that's a given. I assume. Yeah. So, so you're you're assuming that the person already has the chef curries, and that you're yeah, just completing exactly. the look. Yeah. Or, or they get the accessory pack, and they're like, "Well, now I have to go buy the chef curries." Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it could be a tail wags the dog situation, <laughs> but either way, they're gonna. Someone's walking home with this curated accessory pack that I, I, I can 
say with 100% assurance, no one else is offering. It's also going to have, I don't know if they're going to be Oakley brand, but it's going to have a, a pretty sleek pair of sunglasses that definitely wrap around your face and are extremely Well, and don't thin. you need the, um, the, pleated, the, the $8 pleated khakis that the University of Michigan coach wears? You need those. Yeah, it, yeah maybe a Sears <laughs> pair of pleated khakis. Uh, um, you know, the, maybe pleated jeans because I feel like those those are a good accompaniment to the Curry 2s if, if you're looking for, you know, after dark attire or something, you know. After dark, yeah. Here, here's a life question I've always wondered. Does the, the company that started Big Dog... Are they related at all to the company that started the Life is Good t-shirts? Yeah. It almost has to be, right? feels like it's from the same brain it's like an anthropo- <laughs> It's like Anthropology and Urban Outfitters. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. right. And, and it's like the tools of the trade shirts. Have you seen those? Oh, the oh. best. Yeah, no. it's like, you know, uh, uh, their, market, their marketing plan is pretty genius. It's like, well, what fireman isn't going to buy a fireman-themed shirt? You know, I mean, but it's all it's all for for the working man, you know, construction tools of the trade. Even though I'm off work, I'm showing you all my T-shirt. These are the tools that I wear when I'm at work, even though clearly this T-shirt is after work attire. It costs fifteen dollars. So, Eddie, when you first heard about Trapped in the Cage a couple weeks ago, you immediately like leaned over to me and go, oh, oh, I have some ideas. Yeah. What what do you think we should add to the mix to liven the experience? Well, I feel like uh, quizzing Jesse uh, in real time about things he's seen is going to be great. I feel like really like exploiting him losing his mind is mostly where my head Just is going. Just exploitation. Because like the first couple hours will be fun, and Jesse's a sweet guy, and everybody will chat it up, and we'll laugh at the movies. What I want is 5 a.m. Jesse when yeah. when people have kind of <laughs> tapped out and nobody really gave to that hour and there's like one person and he's watching a terrible movie. Um, that's when I think the high dollar amount starts happening because I think he's yeah. going to be crazy. Um, I think people would pay a premium to um, get close to Channing and just smell how good he smells. Oh, yeah. um, so I think that might be a nice thing is right. you can sit next to Channing and he'll give you a bucket of popcorn. Question and- is, is this technically a screening? <laughs> oh. 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 Now we're into something. It, yeah. You bring a lady friend to the screening. I don't know who, but maybe... High fives all around, you know? Oh. I, I would think I, this would make an unforgettable date. Because it would make an emphasis on unforgettable. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing. I'm not saying it's the best date ever, but I'm saying it's one people aren't going to forget. It it is certainly a litmus test of how it's going to go. Because if you bring her (laughs) and she sticks around after this, Mm -hmm. you probably it's probably going to work out. Yeah, because she really shouldn't. Right, but, but should we should run, specify like too, and I think we've already covered it. But just to clarify, people don't have to come for the whole thing. We're going to put yeah. up a timeline of when certain movies are going to show. Yeah. So if they if they have like a, like their, their Nicolas Cage favorite that they want to join us for, yeah, that they they will know when it is and well, they can just here, show up. Then. You know, today the show's up uh, trappedinthecage.com. Uh, you know what what we're doing this week on trappedinthecage.com is we have. All of the Nicolas Cage catalog that we can acquire. Yes. That is not explicit content. I'm not saying I'm not saying not rated R. No, I'm not saying not rated R, but I'm saying there's yeah. certain yeah. lines I'm not gonna cross. If you can't watch the movie with your parents, we're not gonna air it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so all of those movies. We which all saw Titanic with our parents, let's be honest, and it was yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> Pink, right. Right. Did anyone not go to Titanic with oh, their parents? I totally did. And when she's like, and did anyone Jack. just stare so intensely at the seat in front of them? Like, has anyone ever been that uncomfortable in their life? Uh, yes. Uh when I was sixteen years old, my dad had a, a business 
business trip to Moscow and it was like 10 days, two weeks. And he allowed me to have one of my friends could come and I could go with him as well. Mm -hmm. So me and my friend, while he was in meetings all the time, could go, you know, explore. On the way back, we fly to New York and we decided he wanted to you know, it was spend a couple of days in New York. So Statue of Liberty, whatever. And we go to a Broadway show that night. <laughs> and uh, it was Will Rogers Follies, a good old time cowboy show. Okay. Yeah. On Broadway. So it's me, my dad and my friend. And if you've ever been to a Broadway show, nudity is not <laughs> uncommon. No. And we're there watching the Will Rogers Follies and halfway through the show, all the Indian women walk out topless and parade around the stage. <laughs> I have never. So my dad doesn't flinch. I've never heard I don't, this story. He didn't flinch? I don't flinch. He does? We, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, okay. Finally, you know, nothing is said. Nothing. We don't glance at each other. Finally, we go to McDonald's afterwards. Uh, right there in Times Square, and we're sitting upstairs, and and we sit down, and we're eating our happy, and we're just all quiet and uncomfortable still. And he just goes, "Well, that was a little more risque than I realized." Great, response. and that is literally all that has ever been spoken about that most uncomfortable moment I've ever experienced. Well, let me ask you this, Kim: Would would it have been? Did that relieve the tension at all, or do you think it would have been better if just to this day it was just unacknowledged? <laughs> I don't or do know. you think? Do you think to this day, if it had been acknowledged, it could come up at any moment? Still, still, it's like when you talk. We to still your dad. we still don't make eye contact because <laughs> it's like it's like your uncle who was in the war that you just don't talk about it, like because he just goes blank. You've seen some things, man. You're like, Dad, remember when we went to? To New York, and your dad just backs out of the room <laughs> quietly. <laughs> Who is your? Did your friend ever acknowledge it? Oh yeah, I mean he and I did. We were like, yeah. "What was that?" You know, I mean that kind of thing. But then not around my dad. That was awful. Like, so, so we don't want to create that moment at la- yeah. trapped in the cage. I, I'm glad that we had to clarify that we don't want to create that moment in case <laughs> yeah. there is ever a chance that. W- we were going to. Yeah, so no. no, that won't happen. No, yeah, that won't yeah. happen. Now, are but, people so, going to be allowed to talk to Jesse if they come? Or yeah, is yeah. it like, yeah, is yeah, he yeah. like yeah. monkey yeah. in the cage? No, no, he, it's fine. So so this week at trappedinthecage.com, all these movies will be up there and we want people to vote. Yeah. And so the the kind of top vote getting 24 hours are, is the selection that he's going to be subjected to. Yeah. Jesse and I were talking this morning. I want y'all's opinion on this. Then what is the order? Should you go start with the highest vote getter and go to the least or do you start with the least go to the highest you know number 20 to number one or do you go chronological yeah. career i think you go chronological I, yeah. I do think that's yeah. really the only fair way you start with to early make him crazy yeah right well and also but also it's a journey through his life at that point. and yeah if you look at his career there's this kind of insane yeah but you know descent. what's you know, descent. Descent. Yeah. I gotta tell you though that's gonna be hard because you're gonna start the first half of this whole thing with some pretty, pretty decent, good movies what was that uh, there was a like great, Raising Arizona yeah or, I mean that's just yeah. a wonderful well, piece well, of Firebirds cinema. right this, yeah. it's, you know it's making the cut but then you're 20 hours in and all of a sudden it's left behind time yeah yeah, yeah well yeah. that's what I was on camera it's gonna end on a streak of like yeah. the Wicker Man Bangkok Dangerous yeah. Ghost Rider 2 and Left Behind. Like the, the home stretch. But I think is that would give heart. you such a fascinating insight into someone's career, especially him. Like then you'd be able to come back to us with this analysis of 
what happened. Well, but my only concern is he's going like, to have a deep observation. He's going to be like, there was a tipping point. There was a moment yeah. in 1996. You can see it in this scene when he became <laughs> Nicholas Cage. You no. know I mean? Now, are we going to be recording anything during this? Or because like, I'm going to be there quick, live stream. But before before okay. that detail, I just want to say this: the, the only problem with the chronological strategy is it's essentially like ending a marathon with a three mile uphill run. Great point. It's oh. like putting the finish line at the top oh, of a set of stairs. <laughs> That's that's long. What if we? Let, I'm not saying I'm not up for it, but I'm just saying it heightens the difficulty considerably. <laughs> considerably, I feel like maybe Adam could just pick a good order. No, no, I think it, I think I, chronological I, yeah. is the one. I think yeah. there's a couple things. One, there will be a live stream, the LaBeouf cam, but then <laughs> uh, I think we need to have like a roving reporter kind of yeah. you know do a, a report for the next podcast. Of course, yeah. And uh, and I think Jesse should also take a video diary. I think oh, there yeah. should be a little yeah. thing where he has to like yeah. go to the confession booth and like kind of yeah. talk about his mental state, like right. you know, Real Housewives of Orange County style. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll be watching a movie during it, so he'll have to just. At some point, uh, you know, during a you know montage or something. Maybe that's what's set up in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> well, 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 yes. Yeah. And, and, and oh, then, like wow. at the beginning of the night, I'm going to look relatively normal and as put together as I, I, I typically am, which isn't saying a whole lot. But you know, by the end, I expect to be full Lord of the Flies mode. Yeah. Uh, face paint. There will probably be a bird that I trapped and killed in the bur in the building, and am now adorning his feathers. I don't know where. I don't know the depths I'm going to go. Just a little tip from uh, junior year in high school, Joy, before homecoming dance. Okay. Just take a no-dose with some Mountain Dew, and you'll be good to go. Really <laughs> good I'm point. I'm so excited. I've learned my lesson there. I've seen Saved by the Bell. <laughs> now, I'm not to, trying to die. Are we allowed to talk during the movie? Because yeah. if I, because if and when I show up, I assume I will be very chatty. Well, I, I, Jesse, do you want to give away any of the things? I mean, he's thinking there's going to be science, Mystery Science Theater 3000 aspects to oh, it. Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. okay. He's going to be yeah. doing DVD commentary, you know. Yeah, well, here's what, I told, here's what Cameron and I were talking about this morning. You know, that you know, the the bottom line is that no one, we're not having the people from Guinness out here, you know, with a with a you know a stopwatch and a clipboard and someone with the you know microscope. I will be. I'm, I'm your out. accountability partner. I'm yeah. gonna be here I'm with you. Saying, I'm not saying Guinness. I'm gonna leave the building or leave the room or something, but I want people that come to have a good time and that people who to watch online not be a hundred percent bored. You know, like, so we're going to do some things throughout the, throughout the evening to spice it up. And if you come, yes, we'll be watching Nicolas Cage movies, but we're going to make it interactive. We're going to spice things up throughout the night while still, you know, uh, uh, living up to the constraint of we have to be quote unquote watching Nicolas Cage movie you know, end to end. Now, people hearing this around the world, uh, we are doing this in our actual studio, which is not a large space. Hold on, we're doing the Trapped in the Cage in our studio? Here. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that wall right there, <laughs> a screen comes down, see the projector on the ceiling? Gosh. We're going to have rows of oh. chairs for about maybe 30 people in here, and that's it. I can barely so, make it through a show in this little room. So people will, <laughs> well, those two doors will be open, the outside door right there will be okay, open. Okay, I got to get out of here. Uh, also, the, there's no air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. It's chilly. Uh, the uh, the the problem is, uh, you know, it's limited capacity. So people will at trappedinthecage.com will be able to reserve their spots. We'll have yeah. like different time blocks. So then we don't over. You over should have people camp it. out the night before. Make it like a Best Buy opening thing. Can this <laughs> just tent all the way down our little yeah. avenue? Can this be my reserve spot? 
Sure. If I show up, all I can do is stand where I stand for the podcast. <laughs> no, no, actually, I, that I, that orange couch right there, we're going to put that front and center for Jesse oh, and, yeah. and me and you and whatever. And then we'll have other luminaries. <laughs> yeah. That's the VIP section. That's the VIP viewing. Yeah. It's the cushy, cushy couch. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with Eddie that it is going to be about that 4 a.m. hour that he's just going to lose it. And I predict that Jesse's literally just going to start believing that he's in the film and just yelling <laughs> at Nick at everything he says, responding. Like we're laughing and then everybody gets real, real, real serious. Yeah, I, st- I, st- <laughs> I stepped to the other part of the office for like 15 minutes and I come back and Jesse's made like a cardboard sword and pirate hat and he's just like running around the room like he's right. in the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am nervous because the thing about like the Nickelback challenge was it was I was always listening to it but there was, you know, I still carried on with my day-to-day life even though I had it in my earbuds. I wasn't literally locked in a single room doing that. Yeah. You know, like I couldn't escape the music but I could at least distract myself with yeah. life. You know, this is, this is, you're pretty locked in here. Yep. Trapped in the cage.com. Go check it out. All the specifics are there. Forward slash biz, I think is. <laughs> okay. It's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. Did you see this week? David Letterman came out and said that late night TV needs more women. Oh yeah. He, he shaved his beard. That was the big news too. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, that, that was he was, he, he, looked, was, he was looking homeless. He was like real was retirement. Looking, yeah. Uh, he sat down with Tom Brokaw <laughs> for an extended interview and implied that he thinks his former show should have been handed off to a female uh, comedian instead of Stephen Colbert. The quote was, I don't know why they didn't give my show to a woman. That would have been fine. You know, I'm happy for their success and they're doing things I couldn't do. So that's great. I couldn't care less about late night television. I'm happy for the guys, men and women. There should be more women. They didn't ask me about anything. They were just, they were just happy I was going. Mm-hmm. He also told Brokaw, uh, the first day of Stephen's show, when he went on the air, an energy left me. So there you go. He, he, he sounds, he sounds a, 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 I mean, he's always been sort of a Curmudgeon. grumpy yeah. dude, and he's <laughs> yeah. kind of got that way more. But he, yeah. he didn't seem very gracious to Colbert, but I do think his point that a woman should have been considered is valid, especially because, as we talked about in recent shows, it's yeah. not like Colbert is drawing in these great new audiences yeah. or anything. Uh, did you see Samantha B has a, a late night show on <laughs> TBS called Full Frontal? I think it's the best show on TV. And uh so earlier this year she made headlines when did you see when she photoshopped herself um uh, into a Vanity Fair spread that featured <clears throat> 10 men who hosted late night shows but they excluded her. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she tweeted out and it went crazy. Uh she she told the Daily Beast, "I just felt so tired of it. Uh it really just came from a place of exhaustion and feeling ignored." So. Have you seen her show? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's great. It is the next step of Jon Stewart. Like, she yeah. is really Yeah, I, I feel bad for Trevor Noah. I do, too, because she yeah. would have killed The Daily Show. Absolutely. She would have done a great job. Yeah, she would have been. She was, a, and yeah, a better choice. Not because I, I think Trevor Noah's a competent host, but there's something electric about Samantha B. Yeah, she thinks new thoughts right. and is yeah. really clever and then is always funny. And the yeah. thing that was so great about Jon Stewart was his like takedown of um, uh, kind of American politics and American media and things like that. And Trevor Noah is coming in as an outsider, and he just doesn't have the gravitas to say or have the insight that John Stewart did. Well, it was yeah. like the other guy, C- Craig Ferguson. Yeah. His shtick was always like, America's so crazy. Yeah. And well, it, well, it's the same with John Oliver. Right. Except John Oliver seems to somehow be traversing. Well, he does. Him. He tackles global problems. Yeah, too, that's like true. This. Yeah. But, but true. the thing about Samantha B, you know, is she's got teeth. Yes. You know, her, her comedy has teeth. Like yeah. she's not just doing things for laughs. Everything has 
a sharp edge and a razor sharp wit as well. Uh, In case you missed it this week, Justin Bieber had his music remixed into 80s yacht rock. So good. It's so good. A producer on the internet named Tronic Box just got Bieber's vocal stems and uh, reimagined the the music as uh, basically hollow notes type stuff. I wish I thought of it. uh, It's really good. He, uh, like, what do you mean? Love yourself. Uh, He put them up on SoundCloud and they are straight 80s fire. Here is a clip. When you told me that you hated my friends The only problem was with you and not them And every time you told me my opinion was wrong You try to make me forget where I came from You wanna write a song Here's a, here's a, what do you mean? Wait for the sax solo. We have, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little U-turn here, or a little left turn. Uh, we have more, more Bieber news. Uh, I'll get to in a second. But okay. while we're talking about slow jams. I don't know if y'all know something that my brother does oh, on the internet. It is. <laughs> I know. It is oh, very hot. Funny. He, yeah. does, he does slow jams from the kitchen. Yep. And uh, he released a new one this week yeah, about yeah. peanut butter and jelly. That's right. I, I'd like to preface you by saying, like many of you right now, I had never heard a single musical note this man had produced other than our <laughs> jingles. And I was like, I wonder if he's like, I wonder if he needs a Simon Cowell in his life where like, it's not yeah. good. And then I heard this. And it is unbelievable. Thank you, Dean. Uh, well, so, don't let it go to your head. Settle down. So, so <laughs> here, here is uh, my brother's uh, this, my brother's uh, new slow jams uh, from the kitchen about peanut days butter days and jelly. Days, by the way. Here it is. <laughs> He's performing. You don't even need it. You know like it when you, you play your roots, you're gonna sway like Stevie. It's all about PBJs. I'll make, I'll make a PBJ for you. Instrument, yeah, and are you singing? Uh-huh. Try You're really talented that's musician, Thanks, dude. yeah. Gosh. That's some silky tones right there. Hey. What are your other kitchen theme songs? Um, well, basically, Jams. this is the uh, the most produced one I've done. Um, but yeah, it started with him basically holding his phone and he would sing into it for right. 10 seconds, and now he's got a full on music video. Yeah, I did that just because I was bored cooking chicken and I, and I and I thought of a jingle about cooking chicken. And how did that one go? Uh, you can look it up on Instagram. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's hear Let's it. Let's hear it live. <laughs> yeah. That's my probably my least favorite one, but some friends of mine liked it, and I was like, oh, I can do more of them. And so That's amazing. The, like, la- the last one was about guacamole. Oh, now that I could get Ooh. into it. Yeah. What was it called? Uh, okay. Just called Plus Guac. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Instagram if you, if you want to check them Pretty out. Pretty hot. At Chandler Strang. Well, you're very talented. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you're not... Uh, I'm, I'm going to probably release that as a full song. I made it. It's like a two and a half minute song. So yeah. A whole, you should, got a whole album really coming. Uh, I'm gonna, I was thinking about doing greatest hits, yeah. Are you Tronic Box <laughs> or whatever his name is? <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't want to <laughs> tell you guys, uh, but... 
you're good enough. You sound like yeah. you could be Tronic Box for what I know that. about. Okay, so sure this is the guacamole one? Yeah, I think so. Do you want guac with Girl, I made this fresh last night. No, I got it tasting right. Thought you maybe want to try. I don't know if you're the type, but if this is what you like. I think that's a hot gem. I only have one piece of critical commentary. Okay, you know, I that? occasionally dip my toes in musical criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think it's smooth. I think it's sweet. Uh, my only concern <laughs> is that it opens with a line, I made this last night. I'm not a big Dale guac guy. I want my guac table side. I want it fresh. I understand like, I don't that. know why you're offering this girl Dale guac. Yeah, I'm assuming good. you're singing this the next night. You, you got that tan skin on top if it's yeah, Dale guac. Yeah, you need yeah. to say, I made this. You got to You got to be grinding it. You got to be grinding it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's going to be table side stuff. I made this last night, but I left the pit in, so it's still good. Have you ever thought about adding that line? What? Just yeah. like that. You can actually I just will, take I my vocals. Be doing that you have a edit. really pretty voice, Joy, in yeah. a way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> hey, in case you missed it, uh, speaking of Bieber, according to uh Instagram post he put up this past week, um, he relates to T.D. Jakes. Yeah. Uh, he he f- was watching TD's sermon on the TV, and he filmed this thing with his phone. You could tell he, he filmed this clip. And he posted a clip of a sermon uh, that T.D. Jakes was given about uh, the dangers of kind of a culture obsessed with image, but not authenticity. Uh, it was really powerful. Here's a clip. Is this a clip of Bieber's clip? One of the things that amazes me about being well-known is kind of hard to get used to. And I really don't like it, but I do it. Uh, everybody wants to take pictures with you. And they line up to take the picture with you. They don't. See, it used to be they wanted to know you. Now, they don't even want to know you. They just want to be seen with you. And they look at the image and walk away with the image. And I'm standing there thinking, you had a chance to meet the man and you walked away with the image. The image is the cheapest part of the person. But we are satisfied to live in a world of images at the expense of having reality. So first of all, I love T.D. Jakes. Um, uh, but this, I mean, this is like a trend with Bieber. Like, I mean, he's yeah. been talking about about uh, celebrity worship or, or, or people just wanting a piece of him. Like he doesn't do the meet and greets at his uh, shows anymore. Oh, that's cool. Um, he just, he says, I, he told the, the Daily Mirror this spring, he said, I just want people to know humans aren't meant to be worshiped. We're just not. So when a human is being worshiped, this is dangerous because it does nothing but give you pride. And uh, it's just, I just thought it was fascinating. Uh, the fact that he's posting T.D. Jake's clips about, you know, kind of the artificiality of what yeah. we what we want or what we pursue but you know you so have does td jakes want to sit down and get to know everybody that wants to take a picture with him now yeah that's what he was implying <laughs> <laughs> line up let's sit down well what, there, there is a bit of irony because people that are in a, a celebrity and you know you know part of promoting their work or their you know their books or their CDs you know th- th- there is an image component to it intentionally or unintentionally you know there's a marketing component to it where people are obviously aren't going to everyone isn't going to be able to spend time getting to know the real individual 
mm-hmm. but maybe only encounter them in the form of a song or a book cover or something. So that you know, but but those people also, I feel like, have more of a capacity to provide insight into what the real damage of that is than someone on the outside of it. It's it's interesting to hear people who are successful saying, you know, having this image built up isn't all it's cracked up to be. So look at Bieber being the moral barometer for. Our, our country, yet again. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week the stunning full-length trailer for a, a new movie called The Birth of a Nation went viral. Yeah. Here's what's unique about it. The movie tells the true story of Nat Turner, a slave and preacher who led rebellion against slave owners in 1831. Christian filmmaker and actor Nate Parker wrote, directed, and stars in the film. And what's unique about it is it, it comes out in October uh, from uh, Fox Searchlight. But the film drew drew rave reviews when it was premiered at the Sundance Film Festival this year and set a record by being purchased by Fox Searchlight for more than $17 million. It comes out in October. It's already getting Oscar buzz. Uh, The the full trailer is out now, and everybody's, I mean, everybody was talking about it, but here is a clip of the trailer. The Lord spoken to me. Visions of what's to come. A rise of good against evil. What are we going to do? We'll fight. Once it begins, our brothers and sisters are joined. And we're numbering the hundreds, thousands even. Who, who is Nate Parker? Who is that guy? Nate, Nate Parker, oh yeah, it's Andre Day. Uh, but, but Nate Parker was a real uh, a slave in the 1830s in Virginia, actually. Uh, uh, Nate Parker is, from, is originally from Virginia, the, the filmmaker oh. and the actor. Nat Turner was a slave, but he was a preacher among slaves that uh, uh, you know, was known as someone who preached the gospel, but ended up you know, having this sort of revelation about the, uh, the role that he could play in attempting to end the injustice and led a huge rebellion. I mean, hundreds, I think in the end, it, it was something like 50 people died in the actual rebellion, but the, you know, in the end, like hundreds, uh, over a hundred were executed because of it, but it was a, a really big deal and a very dramatic chapter in American history where you have the convergence of, uh, of, a, of a justice uprising, uh, a moral injustice of slavery and the gospel all coming together. And this film uh, tells a story and, you know, Nate Parker, the, the guy behind it is a Christian. And this, this movie that's coming out in the fall, it's already getting Oscar buzz. This could be a really big deal. For all the Christian filmmakers out there, mm-hmm. you know, we can shoot higher than left behind. Yeah. yeah. Not much higher. Not but much. A, but, a, but a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah th- this is argu- Like, I could see his career trajectory after this is similar to, like, uh, um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, who made an incredible sort of indie film that, you know, captured the nation. But this one, I could even see doing to a bigger degree because it's it tells such a powerful uh, story that still has major implications today. And lastly, in case you missed it, the people behind The Conjuring who appeared here on our podcast a couple weeks ago, yes. the, the Christian brothers who wrote The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, the most successful yeah. horror movies ever. Keep on conjuring. Uh, they're making a movie about that creepy nun in the new movie. <laughs> um, oh. So the new sequel, The Conjuring 2, just pulled in more than $40 million in its first weekend in theaters. Uh, I don't know if you want to connect the dots here. But the guys appear on our podcast on Friday. And between Friday and Sunday, that <laughs> movie pulls in $40 million. So <laughs> not going to say it's all us, but a couple hundred but bucks. But at least, hey, at Laura, least $25 million. It started, started with Laura Daigle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we say we like her here on the show, and she wins like Best Christian New Artist Awards. And then, you know, Conjuring 2. I think we should take that credit. Yeah. So I think we should be in this nun horror movie. <laughs> 
I mean, so, I think we've earned a, a minimum a cameo, but I think speaking roles are. So, yeah, so, yeah there's this creepy demonic <laughs> nun in the movie, and she's getting her own spinoff now. Um, so the guys, the brothers, the these horror movies are making have like a real intentionality to the religious imagery and themes. When they were here on the podcast, they they told us they said uh, the Conjuring came in second as the highest grossing film. A genre film ever, they call it. Genre films, not horror films. Uh, the first one was The Exorcist. So here we have a possession story followed second by another possession story. So it makes me feel like the interest is there. The interest is worldwide. These stories cross over into virtually every religion with good versus evil. So they see it as kind wow. of a, you know, and, and, and then they posted a clip of T.D. Jakes. So PTO. Yet again. <laughs> yeah, well, well, real, Cameron, I, I apologize. I meant to put this in in case you missed it, uh, but I wanted, this is, it isn't really a, a, a cultural story, so I'm just going to throw it in here because it's not really a slice either, but it's an update that's that, uh, in case you missed it, the Noah's Ark from Norway that we mentioned a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. That oh, was yeah. planning mm. a transcontinental voyage. He was going to go to the Olympics. He was going to oh, yeah. show, he built a life-size yeah. Noah's Ark, <laughs> and the guy was going to float it around yeah. the world to yeah. show yeah. people about the Bible story from Norway yeah. to Rio. And the everywhere. world will see my greatness. Yeah, and and, and, and and along the way, he was going, I don't know the charity component, but somehow he was going to raise money for or- orphanages in Brazil. So, Jesse, this was this was clearly your beat. Now, do you have an update? Are, is he is he on his way to Rio? Sounds like it went pretty well, I'm sure. I right? have just a very unfortunate update. And, and here's it. We're making great time. This guy is very earnest about his endeavor. Yes. And has put a lot of time and money and effort. It's a, it's it's like a three hundred it's a two hundred and thirty foot long boat made out of wood to the dimensions in the Bible that's actually seaworthy. Well, look how we big the boat is. Sea- <laughs> Hello, America. <laughs> it, it was sea being boat. towed out of the harbor <laughs> doorway. Uh-huh. We're on our way. And it collided with a Coast Guard boat. Uh-oh. No, and the Coast Guard boat was made of metal. I, to the to the craftsmanship. Of Noah's Ark's credit, it severely damaged the metal boat too, but it sustained a lot of damage itself. Yeah. So he didn't make it out. Did of the it harbor. sink, or is he? No. It, well, I mean, <laughs> thank God they weren't in the high seas because, I mean, it was damn. I mean, you can see pictures. It has a gigantic. It has a hole like the size of a house. But that's um, the thing. Is I I saw pictures and I'm like, how? Like. They're both such big ships. How did they run into each other? I, you know what could have prevented this? <laughs> I think we know. Had had any of them read <laughs> the, the book that we've talked about exhaustively on this podcast? It's a masterpiece, really. Yeah. How to avoid huge ships. Yeah. Had that book been aboard either of these vessels, any, if just one of the two had it, it had the keys to avoiding this exact scenario. The scenario that happened is two huge ships failed to avoid each other. Okay, if just one of them had read the John Trimmer book, which is available on Amazon, yeah, readily. It doesn't available. take two of them to read it. It only takes one. Right, one can be super aggressive. The other one needs to know how to avoid. The, huge the ships. other yeah. one would have read a book about yeah. avoiding such things. Yeah, the right. best offense is a good defense. Yeah, so 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 this book could have prevented this yeah. disaster. Uh, uh, the, the, obviously, the guy behind it is pretty broken up about it because this is a big dream. Like he his said boat is. 
Yeah, yeah he, it's an awful dream. He so said, is it, to so have an accident. So with, it's with got you. this huge hole in the side of the boat. Did all the animals scurry out into the water? Great was question. There, was there a feeding lost- frenzy that's now featured in a movie opening this weekend? Yeah, well, <laughs> we've lost all the dinosaurs. That's why we don't have any today. Right. Like, uh, Were there dinosaurs it. in the boat? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they they, they got out somehow. Um, no, but uh, the good news is, uh, I think he's pretty commi- committed to repairing it and continuing the voyage. No. But uh, uh, at this point, <laughs> there's no time for that it, the damage is extensive and he used actual carpenters to build this thing with yeah. wood so uh anyone who was planning on going to rio uh in july or august uh, or later this summer to go see yeah. the, the the floating nose arc you know and put a pin in that trip i had a fair watch on the airfare to go down there and be able to see the uh, <laughs> yeah so i just have to take those alerts off yeah, oh but i bad. will say this the good news no one was hurt no, oh, one, okay. I mean, I mean, the both boats were severely damaged, but no in, human was hurt, so that's good. All right, well, that'll do it for. In case you missed it, stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to Frightened Rabbit, the song is "Get Out." You know, if you're Frightened Rabbit, and and the boat that you're in, you know, because you're scared, you don't know how to swim. The boat you're in is in a big crash. Yeah. You know, the first thing you're going to want to do is get out. Yeah. Do you, but oh, in yeah. that in that scenario, do you take the the, the other rabbit with you because there's two of you, or is it just kind of every man for himself? Well, probably one of the rabbits is brave and one of them is frightened. Well, the frightened one's going to get out. Uh, yeah. The brave the one's going to try one, and help uh, out. Yeah. Brave one's going to help out. Yeah. The brave one realized well, we haven't even left the harbor yet. We're going to be fine, guys. I mean, we ran into a, we ran into a coast guard vessel. It's it's literally its sole purpose is to rescue people in these exact scenarios. We're fine. Do not jump out of the boat. That's a terrible decision. At yeah. the beginning of the podcast, you heard Crowder. With their new single, Run Devil Run, which is uh, the horror movie Brothers Inspiration. So, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. David Crowder. The Scary Nun, David Crowder, Run Devil Run. Okay, it's time for slices. <laughs> what do you have, Jesse? Okay, so there's a travel company called, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Momondu. Yeah, that's is, right. Yeah, Momondi. Perfect. I have their app. Okay, yeah. Do you really? No, no, oh. nobody knows. Well, that's my, that's where I got my fair alert for my Rio trip to go see the, the <laughs> Noah arc. They're, they're the exclusive travel agency of this Noah project. <laughs> it's, it's on hold right now. I mean, you can only go to that harbor in Norway to see the mess right now. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, wood floating in the in the water. So if you're in the Oslo beaches area, yeah. watch out for the splinters in oh, the yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's real wood. So anyway, that's my slice. No, um, so Mon, uh, uh, Mon Modon, uh, I just butchered you're, you're it. You're butchering it. <laughs> you're really uh, on uh, this. Mondu. Mondu. There's yeah, no is one the, listening that actually knows how to pronounce it, so just go with it. It's about confidence. So it's, a, it's an international travel agency, but it, it, it wants to rethink uh, the way that people think about travel and make it uh, a force for good and not just something that people do uh, for leisure reasons, which isn't everybody. A lot of people have uh, you know different motivations for travel. Um, but they want uh, uh, people to travel with intentionality to learn about different cultures and ultimately uh, increase their understandings of of different ways of life. They've actually conducted uh, 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 some 
different surveys with the help of um, uh, real survey agencies to determine the the impact that travel can have on, on the way people view the world. And they found that, uh, it, you know, it's not any anything sort of groundbreaking. But when you encounter different cultures through travel, you're much more open about cultural issues, about uh, understanding people from other religions and other races. Uh, but they wanted to try to increase interest in this new way of thinking about travel to, you know, expand your mind instead of just having a good time. So they've launched a new contest where they're asking people, they partner with a, a DNA company that uh, they're asking people to do DNA research and they're going to uh, choose one winner of this contest and take them on a trip around the world so that they can visit all of the locations that have been identified as their uh, uh, roots uh, so that they can see actually where they came from based on DNA tests. And they hope that this could spark some sort of trend or a movement combining the interests of the DNA movement that's kind of going on right now with companies that will... Uh, you can send your blood to, and they can tell you more about where you came from, where your ancestors are from, uh, with travel, uh, and not just to learn more, but to learn more about other cultures and how connected we all are. Um, they released a, a video promo where they actually did DNA tests from people from across Europe who had some pretty strong opinions about different uh, current and political issues involving different cultures, immigration, things like that. And a lot of these people were really surprised to the point of tears to learn that they shared much of the same ancestry and genetics and blood as some people that they had really strong opinions about. And they hope that this travel component uh, can actually help break down walls even further. With my luck, I'd end up winning, and I would just go to like Fort Lauderdale in Atlanta. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> "Your ancestors are from Fort you Lauderdale." Just the most You're boring lazy. white guy on earth. Congratulations! <laughs> You're not going to believe this, man. You got 100 yeah. percent Delaware. Yeah, <laughs> we rented you a Ford Taurus. You can go visit Delaware. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, where you're from in Delaware, there's not even an airport there, so it's just a Greyhound, man. Yeah, um, we're just going to send you up on a Greyhound. Nice Jack in the Box up there, though. So. But it's 100 percent. Both sides run very deep in Delaware. Not a good part either. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we we put we you know we had That'd to map it. It's actually the coordinates are right at uh, the location of a Burlington coat factory up there right now. So. <laughs> my, Burlington coat. My dad got real into uh, ancestry stuff as old people are wont to do. Oh yeah, they and, get their uh, Steph Curry's and they do their ancestry. Oh yeah, they just kick back, put on the compression socks, and fire up ancestry.com and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and he he did uh, he did he did he like traced back the roots to uh, of his family to Luxembourg, and and went to like traveled there and went and visited graveyards to find strengths. But from like the twelve hundreds, yeah, in Luxembourg, did he wow. find them successfully? He did, yes. But, but the, uh, let me ask you: Did he go? Did he go with? You? I'm assuming he went with your mom. No, no just went by no, himself. My mom's like, I have no interest in this. He had a business trip in Germany okay. or something, and like took a special trip by himself to go, and he found a relative family in Luxembourg. Just hit them up and was like, and hit them up and introduced himself and like goes to their house to like talk about. The family tree is like no. Well, first off, I think this is awesome. Like that isn't an awesome story. Like because like let's say it's a role reversal, right? Let's say someone from because I don't I don't know that far deep into my ancestry, but let's say someone with my last name from another country, I, who knows where, uh, you know, contacts me somehow and says I I am you know interested in our family roots and and I see that we share relatives. I was wondering if you could tell me more about your side. Would you want to get together? I would absolutely do it. I think that would be fascinating. Well, listen, <clears throat> next time my dad goes on a long business trip and has a layover in New York, I'll let you 
you know, meet up with him and join him for the trip. He has great, great selection in theater shows. Yeah, oddly um, enough. Well, Cameron, let me ask this: Was it a moving? Ex- like, is it an experience that you feel like impacted him? Oh yeah, he. This is his thing. Yeah, it's like he's visited almost every string. I mean, he corresponds with these people. So I'd be kind of interested because my dad is adopted, and I, we have no idea. I have no. So your DNA would really be illuminating. It would be totally illuminating. I'd yeah. be super curious. But then it's like, what do I do with that? Because you know, it's not going to be super exciting. It's going to be like oh, Germany. Yeah, okay. you're Nordic and German, <laughs> right? For right. Sure. It's not like yeah. going to be a real shocker where I'm from. But like, so, and then your dad tracks down people with the same name and like, it's, it's like a thing. People get excited about that. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure, wrap my head around, like if I realized my like, you know, great, great cousins or something are living in Germany, do I care about seeing them or not? I'm trying to figure that out. I don't know. Huh. What, you know what, what? My dad cares. I think there's a point in life where you ask, you know, like, who am I? Why am I uh, here? Yeah. And, and like, where did I come from? And yeah. What is the meaning of life? I think in different seasons of life, it's more interesting than other seasons. What are the chances that if Jesse gets his cheek swabbed and he's flying all over, what are the chances that his first stop isn't the guy that built that Noah's Ark in yeah. Sweden or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> you know that they're connected like, somehow. Like, hey, here you go. It's actually your brother. So here he is, you guys. It's actually a very close relationship. You were actually He's actually my immediate family. Wow. So yeah, there it is. Next stop is uh, Jungle Bird. All right, what do you have, uh, Joy? All right, um... As we all know, cell phones dying. It's something that affects us all. Um, so I'm curious, my question for this week is, what precautionary measures do you guys take to prevent your, your cell phones from dying? I, I have one of those external battery packs in my backpack at all times. Yeah, me too. The Mophie, do you guys do that Mophie thing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that? I mean, not like the case on my phone. What's, I used to. What's Mophie? Oh, it's like this like it's like ninety pound thing you put on your phone oh, just for an extra charge. Gracious, no. I just like I have a little deal that'll charge it up like two yeah, or three. Yeah, I mean, times. I'm rarely away from a location that doesn't have electricity. Like <laughs> for an extended <laughs> period of time. Yeah. Well, traveling. Yeah, all right. Well, I to. still feel like we all run into that all the time. And obviously in India they feel the same way. They partnered with this company called Blink Digital. They partnered with them before to do really amazing things, like they did this thing called Plate of Hope uh, campaign where they fed India's underprivileged children. Um, And so they said, well, that worked so well. Let's do it again. And in a similar vein, (laughs) they decided to come up with something called Watt a Box, which is very similar to a Happy Meal, except for instead of a toy for children, it comes with a uh, phone adapter. Uh, for adults, and it oppose it supposedly gives two phones worth of charge. Even it like literally doesn't increase the cost of the um, water box. You get five items of food, two dollars and twenty cents, and you can charge your cell phone. But I, maybe I just don't understand Indian culture or the availability of electricity. But that is the last thing I'm thinking of. Something that I, a battery that I like. Oh, here's your five things, and we're going to put a battery in the bag for you. I know. Like that just because it's like the opposite of what Chick Fil A did with their with their phone coop, where they yeah, gave I mean, you a coop, uh, basically a cardboard box to put your cell phone in, so that you wouldn't use it while you're eating dinner with your you know friends or family. And if you kept it in the box the whole time, they would give you a free ice cream milkshake. Like this is the exact opposite. This is like promoting phone use during mealtime. Yeah, exactly. In India, like not having your phone charged is apparently as serious as kids being hungry. <laughs> so they did this huge campaign. Like the this this ad that I saw is like this woman. She's like 
texting her girlfriend and she's like, Rohan just asked me out. And then her phone dies and she's like, what am I going to do? I should eat. And then she goes to KFC, gets this box. that It literally, it looks like it powers up so much that it actually like cooks the food too. And then she charges her phone and then realizes, oops, I accidentally texted it at the Rohan. And then there's a big LOL and the commercial's over. It is a great commercial. (laughs) It is. Although the power grid's really unstable in India. And they really don't have plugs everywhere like we do. And also, people really run their entire life off their phone. So it is kind of crazy. But also, like when I was in India, there was not power all the time. And nobody even blinked. Right. Until I realized that power goes off while you're in an elevator sometimes. And that, of course, is end times. But so I took the stairs only. But it kind of makes sense. But it is a little bit crazy that you buy this chicken box and it only charges at half. Well, and doesn't it seem a little sketchy that it's like the the box, like your soda is in the box and like the electrical stuff seems to be under the box. I feel like that's a setup for like a fire starter and someone getting electrocuted. Well, that's just a hilarious buddy comedy waiting to happen. (laughs) I will say I will say this, though, that if I'm in a scenario like the only scenario I can think is like Lollapalooza, where, you know, we've gone last. Yeah, I don't know how many years, Cameron, but there that's a scenario where I'm always fear that my phone is going to die because it's hard to find someone a place to plug it in, right? That's true. And you're outside and you're using and, it a lot. Especially, and you yeah. need some chicken. You need chicken yeah. and biscuits. And so that's the thing. If I go to a place and it's like, man, I can get that schnitzel I eat every year at the at the little German oh, section. Oh, that schnitzel. Yeah. Oh, it's worth the festival do a little dance for But the you. end of a schnitzel is a cord. <laughs> Yeah, but if it's like you can eat the schnitzel, or I can go get chicken fingers and they'll charge my phone, it might be enough of an upsell to go get the chicken That's fingers true. if I really need to charge. Brilliant marketing. I'm always surprised phones India. don't have like a solar panel on them or something. Doesn't it feel like we're gonna yeah. be in like 20 years remembering like oh remember when we always were like well, trying you know to those, charge our phones? Those watches <laughs> that like don't need a battery because the motion, the kinetic yeah. energy. Sorry, why can't I just shake? Why can't up we my just phone? shake the phone up? Yeah, like an etch a sketch. Let's. I guess a, a watch probably takes a little bit less energy than uh-huh. our phones that yeah, are all ch- Chips keep getting smaller. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think we're close. No big deal. Six hundred mil, yeah. and I could shake a phone pretty hard. Yeah, if you think about it, really, <laughs> really give it a jostle. Yeah, charge it up for a little the kinetic one. energy. Yeah. Uh, that's a free invention idea for anybody out there. I didn't even yeah, shark it. tank that. Yeah. What do you think, cubes? Yeah, <laughs> two million dollars for ten percent deal. We got a deal, Mister Wonderful. We are definitely in the prototype phase. <laughs> all right, what do you have, Eddie? Well, uh, have you ever been to a job interview? No, you just made your own jobs. No, you've been to a job interview. Yeah, I had I had jo- jobs before this one. Yeah, well, there you go. So we've all had a job interview. Was You were the only one I wasn't quite sure of. So we've all had a job interview. And what is the very first thing you do when you walk into a job interview? You do, you do the power stance where you stand outside the office and hold your arms up so that you get the feeling of being powerful. I shake my I shake my phone really hard right before I enter the room. <laughs> Give it a nice charge. Yeah, Jesse. I demonstrate my personal power by finding the heaviest thing in the office and <laughs> lifting it. Even if it's only a few inches off the ground. And then I stare intently at the person. You just make deep, deep, unending eye contact. What's this desk made out of? Paper mache? Oh! <laughs> and then when they ask you I what your say strengths my are, you just uh, weakness the is I work too hard. I'm a bit of a workaholic, so... Researchers recently asked 237 how any of you all worked is beyond me. The researchers asked 237 I parts. care too much about doing a good job. On, man, I have a lot of weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. Too much of a team player, I think I would say. Uh, sometimes I accidentally show people up on my works. That's so good. I mean, I'm very weak. Yeah, I take I'm feedback weak. and implement it quicker than my coworkers. And it's like hard <laughs> because I am so much better at my job 
but I then will I say this. Yeah. I will say this is this is one thing I've tried to work on. I over deliver too much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've asked for something. Not only do I do it on time before it's asked for, but yeah. I do it better. And I got more. I got to work on that. I mean, hey, I'm you know I'm not I'm not perfect. So uh. and just between us, I love working for people. I love taking direction. I love not having a say in things. Strategy is not my game. I just want to do what you want me to do. I, I will. I will say this. I'm a little too punctual. I'm yeah. never late, but uh, I'm always a little early. Never uncomfortably early. Like I'm there waiting for someone to come unlock the door for me. But I'm never and, late. And sometimes I'm just like, is this guy ever going to be late? No, it's a weekend. And Sorry. I, and I, I just I'm on I, time. And I just real quick before we keep going with the interview, want to ask if I don't take all my sick days and just keep working around the clock, are you going to care? Because that's just who I am. Those to other employees who are actually sick. <laughs> yeah, because we can just give those my days away because I'm basically perfectly healthy. Oh, well, a lot of weaknesses, but I did lift your desk for it. <laughs> that is my. So that's not a weakness with you in the with you sitting on the desk. So that's yeah. actually yeah, that's actually a strength. I would. I, can I ask to have the heaviest employee that works here come in right now and sit on that desk? Because I'm pretty sure I can still lift it with them. Who's the heaviest person here? Do you know? According to the Journal of Hand Therapy, which I don't want to, I'm sure most of you read this anyhow, but <laughs> if you've read it oh, already, my subscription uh, just lapsed, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. The Journal of Hand Therapy, a real publication. Um, the researchers asked 237 participants aged under 30, so millennial, sorry to drop yeah. the millennial bomb on us, but <laughs> um, to exert as much force as they could on a hand dynamometer, so something that basically measures your grip strength. Yeah. In other words, your handshake. How do they? How strong do they shake hands? Uh, which measures grip force in pounds. The results showed that strength scores were lower for both men and women than they were when the same study happened in 1985. Specifically, men's hand strength decreased by 20 pounds and women's hand strength decreased uh, by 10 pounds. The only group where this was not the case was women aged 30 to 34. But essentially, the study is saying that in millennials, they don't shake hands hard anymore. And that, but they have callous knuckles from all the fist bumping. <laughs> lots, of, lots of fist bumping, a lot of uh, poking on Facebook. That's an okay thing to say. They have a really strong index finger. So, so Eddie, I'm assuming that they're not pointing to some physiological change in the generation. No, people are not but, getting but, but weaker. But people are more timid in hand in face-to-face -face interaction that's the implication or are that's, they saying it's evolution they're not because saying they're it's, not doing things that strengthen their hands as much they're not saying it is because humans are, are getting they, are they saying the reason is because like upholding cell phones and and using technology that takes no strength that's, that's exactly right but how come, are thumbs stronger you would think yeah thumbs. I, the mobility of strong overall they're saying this is overall grip strength so, so there was no indication and again i have not gotten the latest uh hand therapy <laughs> journal which i i will but i'm on a late, kind of a late Last subscription yeah. it's kind of hard um but they do i forget they have the ipad version which is actually probably the best thing they create um <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but but so they're saying twelve dollars for a year, and you get but, a Christmas but, but album. You're saying that, but I, I'm just I'm just trying to hone their implication here, right? Because it's interesting. Right. I mean, and it says something about generational differences. But are they saying what it says that that millennials aren't comfortable with that type of face to face interaction, or as comfortable, or that they're just not used to using their hands? 
in any way that that deals with like delicate technology. But video yes. games. Yes. I mean, video games. They grew up from video games, so the fingers, the thumbs, they they should be strong. I will. I I can give I can give a precautionary tale to people who are in their twenties now. Um, in 2007, I had an extreme snowball fight mm. where I had gloves off for three hours because it helped me pack snowballs better. And I literally did nerve damage to my hands and they're not as strong anymore. Oh, wow. So that, I don't know if the uh, journal goes into that element of... of that's, the, that's the cover story for December. When she uh, says that, don't you immediately know that her hands are completely fine? Yeah, they're completely fine. No, She's self-diagnosed that she has nerve damage. No, no, no. I actually I went to the doctor. No, I know, I know. And he put patchouli oil all over your hands and said... <laughs> Joy, did he say, I understand. From now on, every handshake you ever give will be a dead fish. Yeah, Eddie, would you rather have someone give you going. like a, a handshake that literally hurts, or yeah. would you rather get the limp, totally dead fish where it's like they insert their hand into yours and it's like it goes ragdolling? <laughs> I don't, Which, I don't because have a, I feel like that is a very jarring and disorienting. Well, I'll tell you, that's how they sensation. shake hands in Luxembourg, though. I don't have, oh, don't even get me started. Ron Strang in Luxembourg, he'll crush a hand. <laughs> I, um, that's why I only offer him a ragdoll hand to just relax it and just power through the yeah, Power through and try to focus on. Something in the distance and just ignore the pain. Joy, you were saying. Eddie, can you can you contact your friends at the journal and ask them to do research on? I feel like there's a direct link between people who have the limp I, handshake okay. and very sweaty palms. Those things always seem to go together. I have not. I will ask them about that. I'm sure they're listening. The research <laughs> suggests that the change could be caused by a reliance in technology and the fact that fewer people work in manual labor in which they must really use their hands. As a society, Elizabeth Fain said, we're no longer agricultural or manufacturing. What we're doing now is more technology-related, especially for millennials. So they are saying that because we use our hands less, there's less hand strength, and millennials shake hands softly. So it's not like a cultural thing where, oh, we don't value hard handshakes anymore. It's that our hands aren't as strong because we're basically clicking on little screens all day. Can, can I give you a little, a little pro tip for making a good impression with a handshake? Boom. Go in for the handshake. At the point where it seems like is the natural release point for both parties, mm -hmm. grip tighter, pull in, <laughs> hold for five more seconds, grab their elbow with the other hand, mm -hmm. kind of squeeze it a little, push them, pull them in, <laughs> yeah, nose pull, to nose, pull them in a little, and then act like you're gonna let go and hold five more seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I will tell you. Speaking of, and then go lift the desk again. Speaking of power, <laughs> demonstrations of power are very important. In this. <laughs> Uh, it, it's oh, in, it can't be overstated. Um, well, I will tell you, I witnessed this at the lobby of our church one time. There was a guy who was a greeter who was one of those older guys that was probably in the military. But I don't know. Jesse, you've talked about old guy strong before. Yeah. Just like old man strength. These, Dad strength. This guy is as strong as you could be. And he would crush hands. He would just boom. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Crushing hands. And one day I was watching this happen. He shook a guy's hand and the guy went totally white. And the guy just the day before had his cast taken off for his broken oh, no. hand. No. And, the, and the guy rebroke his hand oh, right no. there in the lobby. And it was like the kid was cool. The guy felt terrible. But the kid was like, what can you do? But uh, yeah, he broke so the guy's hand. So weak millennial, his his bones were so brittle yeah. that just, just just shaking the hand of someone from the greatest oh, generation yeah. caused him to shout. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever held a phone. 
Yeah, he's out yeah. programming Madden at EA or whatever, and he just gets crushed by a guy that actually has been outside. It but I amazing. will say this, old man strength is a real thing. Cameron, have you ever played basketball with someone who is in the in, in like your dad's generation? Oh, yeah. They, they, it's oh. usually the guy who crushes the game. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, they could physically, you could look at him and be like, I'm in way better shape. I'm probably stronger, faster, and can jump higher than that guy. But they will dominate you in the post. That's like right. They possess strength that you, you just don't know where it comes from because you're looking at their body and you're like, I don't see how the strength is coming out of that old man body, but he is crushing everyone on the court. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a whole different thing. So uh, I still think I do value the very firm handshake, not the crushing handshake, but the firm handshake. Yeah. And so direct well, eye contact, nice direct eye contact, little shoulder rub. And, and then, and then you, you, you try to show them how high you yes. can, you, are these, what are these seals? Eight feet? Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. All right, well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned up next. Social Club Misfits. Join us. Listening to our next guest, Social Club Misfits. The song is uh, sort of new single, Courage, featuring tree giants. Actual or theoretical? I think literal tree giants, yes. <laughs> Social Club Misfits is a uh, hip hop duo from South Florida. The guys are creating a misfit generation that they hope will challenge the status quo and the face of Christianity. They recently spoke with Relevant about the new album, The Misfit Generation, and the message behind their music. Here is Social Club Misfits. Yeah. 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 Baby, I can fly you to an island. Only me and you, girl, this could be private. Been working all summer, I've been wildin'. Yeah, let's get carried Y'all are, in, y'all are in Miami. I mean, tell me a little bit how you got started. Like, you know, what, what were you doing and, and how did you get started in music? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we met at yeah. Disney Studios. We were doing music before a little bit. I was working at Nordstrom. Brian had a job. We just, we were just working and, and living life. And um, we both had the two big, like, detrimental events that happened in our life where it kind of just changed the way that we saw life, you know? Like, life actually happened to us. We started to speak on his side, but for me personally, um, I was working at a church, a youth pastor. I, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to plant churches, and I wanted to do all things. So I was working at Nordstrom while being a youth pastor, while doing music minor a little bit. But what began to happen is um, my pastor fell into uh, just a bunch of moral failure. And um, it really hurt me because this is the church that I like. I got saved at. This was the church that I was raised in. They put me through Bible school, everything. So it really hurt me to see like the guys, all the people, the elders and the people in my church that I looked up to, that I I gained knowledge from. Those are the guys who turned their back on me and started, you know, divorcing and messing with the money and just doing things that just weren't right. And what I knew from the Bible did not be right. So it just... It really gave me a bad taste. So 
and the original music that you hear from Social Club, the mixtape stuff, a lot of it was a lot darker because we were going through a dark. I mean, I was going through a dark season. Fern was, like, we had just life happen. And so now it's fun because we make music still from that perspective of, you know, people go through life. Life happens to everybody. And, you know, at the end of the day, who are you putting your trust in? Who are you, who are you leaning on? Who, who's, who's the center of your joy? And so, I mean, that's really where our message comes together is that we make music for, for we say misfits. But the truth is everyone could be a misfit. There's always going to be a situation where you don't fit in. There's always going to be a situation where you feel like odds are against you. And um, so, I mean, that's when we started making music, and we've been doing it for four years. We've been independent. Um, two months ago, we signed a capital CMG, and everything is fantastic. It's the best thing we ever did. And we just knew that, you know, this is the plan that God has for us. You know, my story uh, is a little bit the same, but different. You know, it's, it's different in a sense. Uh, you know, I was a pastor's son. I am a pastor's son. And, you know, grew up in church and things of that nature. Basically, my story, I should have knew better. On my own terms, when I was 18, I just stepped out into the world. Just just bare face. Just went into the world and wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. Totally disregarding everything I was taught. You know, trying to just do whatever I wanted. Felt over sheltered growing up. And I just always felt I was missing out. So I went to go you know, get everything that was owed to me. Literally the prodigal son story. So, you know, making a long story short, I was I was heavily involved in drugs and things of that nature and I got caught. I went to prison for trafficking back in uh two thousand five. I wanted to go to two thousand seven, came home two thousand ten. And right I, I get into this real quick because right before I came home I remember speaking to my sister and she's like, I know you wanna do music burn. Um I got this guy Jay Blade and he's got this radio station. Maybe you could start with him. I know she's always trying to guide me in the right steps. So uh, I wound up going there one of my one of my first few weekends home. And, uh, you know, through those circles, I wound up meeting Hardy. We started making music. And, you know, he was working on a project, actually. And uh, my brother was mixing it down. And I just, I was like, hey, you want me to throw something on it? And we was like, yo, give it a shot. And for the most part, I sent something in and it was dope. And we both loved it. We just kept on making music from there. We just know it was something cool, something different. So tell me about, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about your album in a little bit, but uh, or the new project at least. But tell me about your your music um, from a style perspective. I mean, what, when y'all got together and you started making music together, what what brought you to the kind of to the kind of tunes you're making? Yeah, I think that I mean, there's a difference between being influenced by someone and then being inspired by somebody. And and I feel like a lot of artists nowadays they're very influenced. By you know, like artists like you know, they're influenced by the top Drake, Kendrick, J. Cole. They're very influenced, so their sound almost is similar. You know, you, you should really just be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Outside of that, you can be inspired by people because when you're inspired, it's almost like you take little things, but you don't steal their whole style. You know? But for us, you know, people can never say, Hey, you sound exactly like Drake or Dr. Dre or Kendrick or J. Cole or 
little Uzi Vert or whatever, all the new popular guys that are out. They can't say that because we have our own sound. Um, and it just sounds like us. It sounds like Miami. It sounds like New York. It sounds like where we're from. We're not different for the sake of being different. We're different because we're just embracing who we are. So the cops shut the cops So guys, tell me about the newest project, uh, the Misfit Generation. Um, how is this different from from some of your earlier work and um, twenty, you know, last year and even twenty fourteen? I mean, I like I like to think, yeah, I like to think that it's one, it's it's like our great entrance. If you want to call it mainstream, you know, it's, it's our great entrance to like radio and a mass, you know, mass exposure, different platform. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think a piece of us, like what makes it really different is that number one, like we're in a different place. Like It's almost like when we started making music, we were like, let's make music for the six year old. Well, let's make that investment like to make it. Because here's the thing, like we, we made music for them. So the initial music was always free. And then when we started figuring, hey, now it's been two years, our artists, our, our kids are 18 now. Now, at this point, they're about 20 years old. They're 21. They're getting into college. Some of them are not going to college. And some of them are not, you know, and, and we feel like we're growing with our audience. So Absolutely. this new album, yeah, this new album is like, all right, I got married now. You know, like, oh, we're talking about, like, work-life balance and trying to do what God has you, you know, like, balancing all that. Like, there's a lot more heavier topics than this. And... So, I mean, you know, our old music was very much, hey, for that type of audience. Like, we have a song called Cops, and we have a song called Heavy Hand, which was like, hey, we're going to make a song joking around about groupies and stuff like that. But now it's like, we're not dealing with that stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. I might be ugly, but my girl is strange. Put a ring on it, I'm doing my thing. They hate the way that we do everything. Make the world matter, don't care what they say. I make the songs at the radio hates, but you know how we do. They pray for my downfall like Kelly, but I get more likes in the valley. You get it, I get it, no one can define me. Only misfits around me. And I'll praise to my savior who didn't leave me the same way that he found me. And he could have, I know some of my friends that would have, I know that he should have, but he picks a foolish to do all the things that I know that we shouldn't be doing. And I'm So one, just, la- one last question I'm for you guys, like, we can wrap with this. What's next? What, what, what can we and fans and new fans expect from Social Club Misfits coming up? Coming off this EP that we just did, The Misfit Generation, um, it's almost like me and Marty started all over again. It's like no matter how many projects we drop, it's always our first time. Like, this time it's our first time on Capitol. So we've been we've been blessed to be veterans, but we're still like, you know, we're always coming out our first time. So I feel like we're on the cusp of seeing what this first wave is going to look like. And we're even planning for this year just for the fans, like, New album, that's definitely happening. We're finishing that. We're going to the studio in like another month. We're going to finish it up. Um, we have a new album to fall. We're thinking about more tours and just how could we, uh, how could we, you know, like our thing is this, the Misfits is like our community. Like how could we gather more together? So we're thinking more fall tours and like, you know, like there's a lot of like, bucket list things like for instance that we want to accomplish or things that we never, like, like we never had the opportunity to say, hey, we want to perform at Night of Joy or Rock the Universe. And those opportunities are like coming to us now because of Capital and 
our new booking company. And so it's almost like it's laid a great foundation for the next like 10 years where, you know, we want to see, we want everything to get bigger. We want, we want to be able to cross genres. And, you know, we want to, I think one of our goals is to have the blues tours and, and like just stuff that is, is been in our hearts and we've been preparing about for years. Like now we finally get to do it. That was Social Club Misfits. Check out their new album, The Misfit Generation. It's out now. song is Siberian Nights. Now, before uh, we get to our next guest, Dr. Russell Moore, uh, I wanted to say something. Uh, you all know that we have great advertisers that sh- support this show and keep it free and keep it happening for the last now almost 11 years, 500 episodes in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons why those advertisers love the Relevant Podcast is they know that our show has amazing listeners. And right now, we have a survey that I'd love for you to take to help us know more about our audience. Uh, if you could just go to podsurvey.com slash relevant, uh, it'll just take five minutes and we're just going to ask you some questions about yourself and what you like to buy. It's completely anonymous, but your answers help us find advertisers that are well-matched to you guys, your interests, and the show. Uh, when you're finished, uh, it'll enter you uh, for a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Even if you've taken the podcast listener survey before, uh, I'd love for you to take it again, take ours, and help support the show. And don't forget, you have a chance to win that 100 bucks. Uh, once again, it's podsurvey.com slash relevant. Oh, good. That's a good idea. It actually really will help. That's really clever. Yeah. Dr. Russell Moore is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, he's also written several op-eds for the New York Times that have drawn national attention for challenging preconceptions about Christianity, politics, and race. We recently spoke with Dr. Moore about how Christians should approach the most contentious election in memory without compromising their convictions. If you haven't noticed, politics is dominating our culture right now. Um, And uh, as you know, we're in a really interesting situation with the two candidates that are emerging. And a lot of Christians aren't really sure what to think or do this election. So we want to talk to Dr. Moore. He is someone who has... uh a very interesting platform and a pretty big voice right now when it comes to Christians engaging in politics and, uh, you know, isn't afraid to be non-diplomatic and say things that, uh, you know, are uncomfortable and tough and, uh, you know, really challenge the dialogue. He's a really interesting dude. Here is Dr. Russell Moore. You wrote this article um, with heavy reference to uh, whiteness and multi-ethnicity, um, but with no clear response to say somebody's comments this way or that way. Uh, rather, you're responding to, I think, a cultural moment or a cultural mood. Can you just des- can you describe that to us? Like what what you have in mind when you when you set out to address this issue? Well, there are there are certain uh, there are certain moments in history where people's um, people's words or or people's silences 
uh, are going to be remembered uh, because they're they're moral uh, turning points. And so I think of, uh, for instance, Walker Percy uh, talking during the the civil rights movement, saying uh, that if if Southern Christendom doesn't speak to uh, issues of racial justice, people are going to conclude. Uh, that the Southern Church is simply a a social club uh, that that has no no word from God, and that's of course he was prophetic in that. That's that's of course exactly uh, what happened, and uh, I think that I think that we face a, a similar moment uh, right now where we see we see things being said and things being suggested that um, that that maybe have been implicit in other places, but are mm-hmm. explicit right now in in ways that people are going to have to give an accounting for. Now, obviously, as a Christian, I believe we must give an account for every word uh, spoken and every uh, thought thought uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, but it's also true that we have to give an account, uh, we have to give an account even before then uh, in terms of our, our horizontal relationships with one another. And so that's what I'm concerned about. When you, when you see in, in an election year, a lot of the a lot of the attention is given to who's up and who's down and who's going to win and who's going to lose and and, and what uh, what's going to happen as a result and all that's important and I don't discount that and I, I think that's those are important conversations I think even more important than that is what happens to us mm-hmm. uh, when when we participate um, in, in some of these things what what happens and I think for me uh, a defining point here uh, probably is autobiographical, yeah. and that is where I lived. I, I was living, um, I was living right in the a stone's throw uh, from New Orleans during um, a governor's race in 1991, uh, in which a neo-Nazi, a former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, David Duke, uh, was running for governor. And you know, Duke was saying, "Oh, I've reformed my life. I'm not a Klansman anymore." I'm not talking about racial issues. I'm instead uh, simply talking about law and order and about getting people off of welfare and all of these uh, sorts of things. And I saw people who previously had had a kind of moral uh, moral authority who threw that away and were able to excuse uh, David Duke and to support him. And, oh, well, he's the lesser of two evils. And, oh, well... Uh, he's just yeah. saying what everybody else is thinking, all of those sorts of things, um, and they've never recovered from that. Uh, and I think I think that mm-hmm. in many ways we face we face some similar turning points right now. Well, a lot of these issues run smack dab into at least for people like me or my age and from my background. Uh, it seems like two versions of Christianity colliding. Um, you know, often we've grown up in uh, <laughs> an Americana-driven Christianity or Americana-driven yeah. Sunday mornings, at least. Um, and so, for these things to take a sharp divide here, where you know, um, so-called or you know, the GOP goes one direction, and Christian conscience seems to be leading in a yeah. different direction. It's almost a crisis of faith. Um, for some, yeah. I would imagine. And so how, do, how would you say we go about parsing those things out? Um, yeah. Well, I think well, one of the problems is that, um, that even before you get to the church, uh, politics in America has become a religion. 
and, and so what people are doing when they're voting and when they're joining their, their political parties and when they're consuming their media, it, it's not simply about here's, here's our vision for America and uh, we believe that this is a better vision for America than, than what other people are, are, are articulating. Instead, it's become um, a, a way of vicariously uh, participating in winning and losing. Uh, so it's, it's kind of the experience mm. that someone has when, when his college football team uh, wins uh, a, a bowl championship or something. It's, it's, uh, the, the reason that guy's dancing around his living room is not because he feels so happy for the players. It's because he's a winner. That's his team, and he's won. Yeah. And I think we've done yeah. that with, with politics, where it's, uh, here's, here's our people, and these are the good people, and here's the other group of people, and those are the bad people. I think that's happened on both, on both sides to a degree in which we've, 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 in many cases, found our fundamental sense of identity there, um, which, is why, mm. which is why people rarely even interact uh, with people who disagree, except yeah. in arguing with one another on Facebook. And so yeah. once that happens, then that creates this sense of special trauma. Because for for some Christians of a certain generation to stand up and say, we have major, major moral problems this year coming from both the Democratic and Republican parties, it feels to some Christians as though they've been excommunicated. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because in some ways they have, because this was their church. So a, a common reaction then, and you've spoken to this myriad times, including I think a few minutes ago referenced it, but a common reaction to that is to say, well, I will just be then apolitical, which mainly means uh, not saying anything, I guess, about politics here and there. Is is neutrality an option or even a possibility for Christians when it comes to politics? Well, I think that I think that what some people mean by that is that we need to have a kind of political distance. And with that, I agree. Uh, we we need to have the sort of prophetic distance that is is saying we're not going to become the sort of people who are here attaching Bible verses to anybody's party platform. And we're also going to be the people who are going to be uh, willing to critique uh, from a, a revelatory moral framework uh, people across the spectrum. And we're not going to worry about are these, are these our people or somebody else's people. We're going we're gonna to speak as those who are free to speak. Uh, not just as citizens, but as as people who have a word from God. Um, in that sense, then yes, uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, the problem is what some people think is, well, let's just not worry about politics at all. You can see that on the left and the right, sure, yeah. uh, where you can have uh, people. Let's let's just let's just simply talk about don't um, talk about evangelism, and then let's talk about discipleship. Well. The problem with that is that those churches that do that don't really become apolitical. Uh, those churches become hyper-political because if you, whatever you don't address, and there are all sorts of things that we shouldn't address 
Um, and there are all sorts of political issues we shouldn't address. I don't think the church should be endorsing candidates. I don't think the church ought to have an energy policy. I don't think the church ought to be uh, deciding what the minimum wage is, all sorts of things. So there are all sorts of things that the church doesn't address because we say we don't have the competence to address those things. And these are not issues of moral interrogation. You're not going to be you're not going to be asked about this at the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that means then that those things we don't talk about are those things that we don't have the authority to talk about, and that uh, are not going to be issues of sin. And so, uh, if you're in 1845 Georgia and you don't talk about slavery, you're talking about slavery. Because when you stand up and say, yeah. uh, repent of adultery, repent of drunkenness, repent of... You don't say repent of kidnapping and owning uh, human beings, then you have spoken about slavery. That was Dr. Russell Moore. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dr. Moore. Listen to Jack Garrett song of surprise yourself. It's the Griffin and Manila Killer remix. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could hear Griffin. Ah, ah, I, I, I could okay. hear Griffin, I, but there was I, like, I hear it now. Is, is that Manila Killer? There was, or was a little that... note. There was notes of Manila, was Sing- but I wasn't quite sure. Was it sure. Singapore Killer or Manila? Killer? Oh, it's Manila. Manila. Now, now, yeah, that is Griff. That is classic Griffin and Manila. Yeah, yeah, so I'm glad yeah. they did a remix of it. So uh, we have a, a couple of corrections and apologies. I don't feel like I do. Oh yeah, I I have one. Yeah. I don't know if this is part of. Go your ahead. Thing. Go ahead. I said that Rocky fights Ivan Drago in Rocky Three. Wow. And the fact is, he fights Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. Wow. Rocky Three is uh, Clover Lang, played by Mr. T. Several people on Twitter. Several. Uh, <laughs> you should really apologize. <laughs> Very for upset one. about that. I should. I should apologize to Ivan Drago. Uh, yeah, please call me Ivan. Uh, he stopped returning my tweets and blocked me a while years ago for unrelated. Matter. Before we get to last week's feedback, we have a package here uh, that arrived this week. Uh, a note from Jeff Payne, listener Jeff Payne. Oh, yes, Jeff. So uh, there's a long note, very nice note. I appreciate it. But basically, he written sent by us, hand. Yeah, written by hand. Not a, a lot of scratching a lost, out either. Lost skill. The hard note to write. Yeah. Um, uh, but he sent us something for the podcast studio wall. An actual non-working zoom <laughs> yeah that i'm sure is loaded with <laughs> podcasts one through 25 in it and, and lots and lo- gigs of malware it is <laughs> <laughs> so we now have an 80 gig zoom from jeff that will yep. definitely make its way onto the wall it feels fitting it's nice to have a zoom it feels like we haven't home. gotten any uh, care packages from our listeners lately so i no, wanted, got, to, wanted to say a special thank you to jeff we got you yeah, we went through up. a run of, of foreign candy for a while we got some fun yeah. stuff from canada lots of snacks from canada like those tomato chips you know like tomato, with the tomato flavored those potato chips so good they were weren't they well, the, ke- the ketchup in Canada is is it's wonderful. A di- it's a whole different thing. It's, it's, it, well, it's called maple syrup, and it's so much better. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's so sweet. Yeah, it's so delicious on everything. Yeah, it's just like all the people of Canada. Just very just, lovely, just sweet, sweet, folks. much better than the American variety. Yeah, Canada's the yeah. best. It really is. Yeah. I, I will say this though: not when it comes to their bacon. 
Like, oh, I disagree. American bacon, regular bacon is way better than Canadian bacon. Oh, I disagree. Well, Canadian bacon just slabs of ham. That's what I'm saying. It's just weird round ham. No thanks. <laughs> Give me the slabs of the greasy American. But I, but I think that's just an Pass, issue between Canada. soccer and football. Like it's just different words. I don't think they really. I think they probably have bacon that no, you would no, like. No, there's a fish. thing called Canadian bacon. Yeah, no, it's on I, an egg McMuffin. I understand, yeah. but that's like. We, oh, it's too complex thing. I'll just <laughs> but you're saying they don't think that it's the same thing as yeah, our they're not bacon. saying like oh it tastes exactly the same they're saying like no we, we end up we actually call ham bacon here e- Eddie here's the thing man I really really don't want to get into another thing with you about pork products <laughs> well we've had <laughs> a long <laughs> that, that we've is been still... down this road I'm afraid and <laughs> we just don't see eye to eye your lack things. of could we put in a slot uh, at maybe 3.30 in the morning where Jesse and I do a half yeah. hour talking about pork and just yeah we're going to do the cured meat hour <laughs> um, at 4.30 uh, during, uh, yeah. For those of you that during do not Bangkok know, and I don't want to get too deep into this, there is a long-standing conversation that Jesse thinks that all meat that comes from a pig is the same. <laughs> and he, so he contends that bacon... No, I said pork and ham. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That they, they shouldn't be... It's, 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 a, the, it's, it's pig meat. And it, it, okay? is, it is... Like, pig meat should be a category. It, it, it makes no sense to me, Eddie. Except that, that they look like different you, and they taste different. Not only different. give things a different name, but you'll call Canadian... Like, you, you'll you break it down by nationality. But this like is Canadian why it's bacon. Such... It's, not, it's not Canadian bacon. Did the Canadian bacon come from a Canadian pig? No. It's just another pork product, Eddie. What are you failing to see here? We're in a ditch right now, and it's we're never getting It is a three-year-old ditch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last week's Crystal Week was a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, during the show, Adam Smith uh, posed, uh, just in passing, posed oh, really? a riddle uh, that we wanted your advice in solving. Now, I mean, there is an answer to the riddle, uh, but we thought you guys could do better. So here's the riddle. Here's what last week's Question of the Week was. Uh, you have a fox, a bag of grain, a chicken, and, and a canoe. And you have to get all three of those things, the fox, bag of grain, and chicken, across a river using the canoe. And you can only bring two things at a time. How do you get them all across? Because the, the dilemma is that the chicken will eat the grain if left alone, and the fox will eat the chicken if left alone. Correct? correct? Yes, that is. That, the, that, that's sort of the, 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 the dilemma you have to solve. Yeah, so you guys hit us up on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. You also went to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and helped us come up with creative solutions for this riddle. Da- well, can I just read the right answer? It was actually uh, David Meigs, M-E-I-G-S. I'm sorry, David. Uh, Use the pastrami to lure Nick Cage. His presence alone will part the river and solve the conundrum. <laughs> well done, David. Solved it. Well Considering done. Eddie didn't hear that that late in the show, that makes a ton of sense for you. Yeah, it just totally <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Michael said, easy. The fox is a flying fox, and he carries the grain for me while I row across the river in, the, uh, in my canoe, which incidentally is carved in the shape of a whale shark using sharp knives I acquired from my time in the order of the boat. Michael has solved it, ladies and gentlemen. My goodness, he's just going Going through the archives, pulling all the references. But a flying, yeah, we didn't specify it wasn't a flying fox. We, for all we know, I could just fly that fox right over there. That's true. So you, so the fox has the bag of grain in his mouth. He flies over. You and the chicken just row over casually on the canoe. I yeah, like exactly. Uh, um, Carter on Twitter said, <laughs> "Just shoot the chicken. Then you not only have all your grain and a cool fox, but now you have a bucket of fried chicken. That's a great solution too." <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie, like I said, if there's multiple pieces of chicken in there, what what meat is that, friend? 
But what I'm saying is, the <laughs> it's all chicken. It's all I, chicken. Bro. I understand, but I think pigs are different than chickens, and I think there's something that I need to figure out before I continue on this conversation. Yeah, because <laughs> at this point, you're conceding that I'm it's correct a, in but, your. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, Jesse. If pompous meat labels, <laughs> but because that's what they are. You understand? I that. understand I, they both come from a pig. But they are completely different entities. They taste different. They smell different. It's a whole different thing. Chicken just isn't as diverse. That's the problem. Okay. Michael, another Michael said. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken's plenty diverse. It's a matter of scale. Oh, trust me. Okay. Okay. Michael said, take the fox and a bag of grain across. Once I get on the other side, I reach inside the bag of grain. And what do I pull out? An egg ready to hatch. Nailed problem solved. It. <laughs> BC said, <laughs> clearly Shauna left too early. Can you guys use JP the get JP the exterminator numbers uh, from her? I'm sure that he knows the uh, a way to use a trail of fast food leftovers to solve this riddle. <laughs> Poor JP. All right. Well, there's a bunch more. Uh, do we want to? What's the real what answer yeah, to the know. to the riddle? Jesse, do you know? Okay, here's this is I'm reading this live, oh, okay, so I pre read it. Yep. Take the chicken. Okay, this is from riddlebraindeasers.com. Um, Eddie, do you have that site bookmarked? Such a good <laughs> bookmark. Yeah, it's that in my hand journal are my daily reading. Take the chicken over first, go back and bring the grain next. But instead of leaving the chicken with the grain, come back with the chicken. Leave the chicken on the first side and take the fox with you. Leave it on the other side with the grain. Finally, go back over and get the chicken and bring it over. So that it's it's just a matter of sequence at that point. Here's, that, that's that's good. That's that's that makes sense. Except for the fact that the chickens and the foxes will have wandered off as you're. Yeah. Do I have a pin <laughs> yeah. or something to put them in? Yeah, we're assuming these are all trained chickens and foxes. Oh. Yeah, they, they're just, just waiting so, patiently. So, so now, so now the fox is domesticated. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so, so you have to. Oh, well, the, so the first step is domesticate the fox, and yeah, then the second yeah. step is teach the chicken to stay. <laughs> nice question, Adam. Then, yeah. Next. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, we're two, T minus two weeks and counting till the 500th episode. And four nine, so this is 498 right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. It's a lot. And uh, we, you know, again, the cement isn't totally. So it's getting, it was really wet a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. The general yeah. concept was still furry. Now we've got the concept. Now what we're wanting to do is add on the extras. So we want y'all to help us uh, figure out ways to create the event even better, create the moment even better, uh, and raise more money for Charity Water. Yeah. So what would you like to see happen? What should we add to the mix? What should, you know, like Jesse came up with the idea of one of the big donors will win this accessory pack for the Chef Curries. You know, like what are some other things we should add to the mix or, yeah. or to the live stream or to the LaBeouf Cam experience for right. you uh, so you guys will give more money to Charity Water? Yeah. I, okay, here's one. If you, <laughs> again, this could be a terrible idea. I don't know. But maybe if you're a certain part of a certain donor level or if you are selected uh, as one of the people who are there live to kind of get more interest into this, maybe we have a uh, uh, a pork plate sampler with hickory sausages, Boom. some bacon, some ham, different pork <laughs> products. And you tell me, can you tell the difference? And you know like what? a little pork taste. I'm sure they will a because they're all completely different taste. tastes and all completely different products. Yeah. Like hickory, like I said, hickory sausages that are good all year round. I know for a fact there's a honey. So you're ham saying they're going to eat a piece of ham and then eat a piece of sausage and not know the we, difference. I say we will all with little toothpicks and it'll be delightful. <laughs> Literally, I would. I you said dumbest thing. 
I would take money away from you if you are that <laughs> Well, but we want to hear ideas. There's yeah. no bad ideas. Here. Well, that one was a bad idea, but there are probably no bad ideas. People love pork, Eddie. It's a whole industry. <laughs> <laughs> so we, yeah, so you guys should hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can uh, post your suggestions on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. I think, I think, you know, as of today, as of right now, trappedinthecage.com is up. You can vote for the movies this week, uh, and then we'll keep updating. You can reserve, you know, you know, your seat to come. Uh, the info there for our studio, info will be there about our studio and all the things, uh, how to donate to the campaign uh, for Charity Water. So, um, you know, we'll keep updating it as you guys send us the ideas and we want to implement them. We'll, we'll keep adding little extras throughout the 24 hours. What I'm saying to you, Jesse, is that there is... Have you ever seen one of those diagrams of a pig? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your feedback on Twitter or the relevant podcast page. We'll read it. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks to our show sponsor, Fracture. Remember, you can go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. That's actually where that kid went uh, after... You know, he went to your visit your church that time, and the greeter squeezed his hand too hard. Yeah, we're, went, went to, to fra- fractureme.com. Yep, shattered uh, it. Fractureme.com slash podcast to get 10% off your first order. Make sure you mention you uh, got there because irrelevant. And then, uh, two, don't forget to go to our survey, podsurvey.com slash relevant uh, to take our survey and help the show out and help us get, you know, find the right partners for this thing. Cool. Yeah. Many thanks to our guests. Social Club Misfits, their new album, A Misfit Generation, is available everywhere. You can follow them on Twitter at Social X Club. And Dr. Russell Moore, uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter at Dr. Moore. And while you're on the internet, swing over to relmagazine.com and subscribe to the magazine. Uh, the new issue is shipping now and is hitting uh, mailboxes. We will actually tell you about the uh, the new issue on next week's episode. Mm, cool. But uh, if you go to relmagazine.com, you can subscribe for just a buck a month, and I think you'll like it. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. For Joy Egrich Reed, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Back in Philly, we be out in the park. A place called the Plateau is where everybody go. Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise. Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes. She turned around to see what you beeping at. It's like the summer's a natural. What's this desk made out of? Paper mache? And then I drop it.